Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Monday, May 2nd, 2022. Coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. The big season rap show is upon us. The Islander season is over. Andrew Gross of Newsday will be joining us. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you? I'm doing fine, Shawnee. How are you? Glad to hear you're doing fine. I'm also all right. I'm also okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, above average. So, so that's good. Uh, yeah, man. The uh, the season's over. We got plenty to talk about. But before we do, want to remind everybody that we are happy to be presented by R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. It is the best place to catch the Isles when you can't be at the game. Head on down for great food and drink specials, plenty of HD TVs, and in-game sound. Also happy to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. They're an official partner of the New York Islanders. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for all their great offerings. Also happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And of course, sponsored by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations at the Islanders' brand new home in UBS Arena, and even more distributors across the country from coast to coast. You can also visit the Tap Room at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week to sample all their fantastic beverages. And of course, folks, get your questions in for questions brewing later on in the show. So, Christian... The Islander season has finally come to a merciful close. It was a roller coaster that ultimately ended in disappointment and a lot of coulda, woulda, shoulda. We're going to talk about it all night tonight. <laughs> until, <laughs> until tomorrow. No, we're not. But we're going to talk about it a lot tonight. We've, we've talked about a lot of that stuff already, but we're going to sum it all up, put a nice little bow on all of it. What do you say, CA? Well. <laughs> well. There was a lot that went wrong this season for the Islanders. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yes. It, it's going to be, I, I think we've talked about this a lot, and that is how important this offseason is going to be mm-hmm. to reshaping this and getting this team back into the shape that it should be. And we've seen glimpses of what this team could have been. And I think maybe that's the most frustrating part for Islander fans when you look back at this season. Because when you look at the coulda, woulda, shouldas, and you look at the last month or so, you look at the Islanders and how they played. They didn't play bad. They played pretty well, actually, mm-hmm. all things considered. Now, understandably, I'm sure part of that is, of course, the fact that they were out of it and there really was nothing else on the line for them. So they, there was a lot more freedom to play in their game. And, the, of course, there was that that sense of pride of playing for the jersey, the you know, the logo on the front and all the, the cliches sure. that, that players <laughs> right, that aren't going right. to the playoffs love to throw around. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I think you saw a little bit more of what this team could have been in the last month or so. And I think that is both a frustrating aspect for fans, and I think that's both a hopeful another a hopeful sign for fans. Because on the flip side, it's frustrating because if you've gotten this for 82 games this season, if you got this through, 
you know, a lot of the ups and downs this season that the Islanders had, they would have been in a much better position. Or even if they got a couple more wins, maybe we're talking, maybe we were sitting there talking the last week of the season or so, but those games actually meaning something. Right. The hopefulness, though, is that maybe only there's a small retool or maybe there's only a small couple additions that you need to make, knowing that some of these guys really can step up uh, step up to the plate and, and compete when it really means, means a lot. So there's the hope and there's the frustration, and I think you kind of saw both there in the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, not only the fans, but they themselves needed to kind of prove that they could win some games, even as currently constructed, that they could be a little more competitive than they were. We know how frustrating this season was, and and it probably gave the coaching staff and management a little bit of a better idea of, of what they had in this team. And you can always go back and forth about, well, we don't know how the games would have went if, it, if they meant something, if they, were, if they were there. But if they did mean something, that means that they would have been playing better all season long. So it is good to see that they you know improved a little bit over this last month or so. And, and just to, to wrap this final week of, of actually games, games played, they, they sandwiched a convincing home-and-home home sweep over the Caps between home losses right. to the Canes and the Bolts. <laughs> Pretty exemplary of the season, really. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, how many weeks have we discussed where it was literally 500? Two wins, two losses. <laughs> Looked good against these guys. Right, Looked right. paltry against those guys. And that's kind of how it's gone, you know, with, with a couple of losing streaks and a couple of winning streaks that uh, that ultimately uh, resulted in what? They finished, what, two games over 500? I think it was 37-35 and the rest overtime and shootout losses, whatever that total number was. So, you know, right around me- mediocrity. I mean, right at mediocrity and... and I mean, that's really what this season was. They, they lost a lot more than they won in the beginning, and they, lo- they won more than they lost towards the end. But all in all, a very middle-of-the-road, very middle-of-the-pack season, we have talked ad nauseum about all the, the mishaps and the, the early misfortune that, that befell them in the beginning of the season so we don't have to regurgitate all that stuff. <laughs> but this team was also exposed to be a team with clear flaws, and I think that's something that we should maybe focus on tonight as opposed to all the, the, the would-be excuses that we've, we've gone, o- gone on over and over again throughout the course of this season. And, you know, we've touched on some of this stuff. I mean, starting with, with speed, which is also kind of related to age. It, it is an older team, one of the oldest teams in the league by average. Now, that's okay if you're able to pay, play with the right amount of pace, but this, this team proved that that's... That hasn't been the case, and yeah. we pointed at guys like Zdeno Chara and Andy Green. We'll, we'll talk a little about, bit more about those guys in depth later, and then you can go, you know, t- into the forwards too. And you wonder about guys like Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin, and guys that are, you know, getting into their if they're not at their mid thirties already, they're they're close, you know, in the Josh Baileys and. You know, I mean, yeah, Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, they're in their 30s, but obviously they had great years as far as goal scoring goes. I mean, they're not they're not in that danger zone yet, but they're not far from it. But you also wonder, you know, how how much, you know, these uh, that that three in the beginning of their age has affected foot speed out there. And I think it, that's one thing that's kind of shown with this team is that they haven't been able to hang with some of the faster, younger teams in this league. So I think it's imperative that they they get a little younger there, Christian, like yourself. <laughs> well, I don't even know how to how to respond to that part. But it, it is. I mean, the the interesting thing is about all all some of the names you mentioned. I, I mean, I think some of the big the, the bigger curiosity to me anyway is is what kind of role does a Cal Clutterbuck have on this team next season? You know, what do those bottom six guys have, and 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 sort of what are the expectations on them? Because the Islanders, as limited as the contracts are. 
you know, they've reinvested, you know, a, a, mm. a, a lump sum of money to Cal Clutterbuck to keep him here and to some other, you know, kind of bottom six guys to keep them right. keep them here. And I think for me, at least right now, one of the bigger questions, because I think that at the end of the, end of the day, you know, the offensive issues are, are going to be what they are. You know, I don't necessarily know if the Islanders are going to go out and be able to get a, a you know, a We've talked ad nauseum right. about them needing to get a top six forward and right. you know goal scorer. I don't necessarily know if that's a possibility during the off season, considering the cap constraints that they still find themselves under. You know, you have to line that up. You have to line up who's who's available under on free agency. Mm-hmm. But to me, one of the bigger questions is going to be what is the Islanders' role or what do they envision that bottom six to be going forward? You know, is it is it is it just trying to regurgitate what made them successful two, three years ago and, and hoping that a Cal Clutterbuck and, and Matt Martin and some of those guys can can hold together for an 82-game season, which they can't. I don't think they're going to be as relied upon as they were in seasons past. And, and this has come up between the two yeah. of us, I feel like, uh, maybe three or four shows ago, whatever it was. But I think that management and coaching still finds value in those guys being around. And maybe you can kind of start comparing it more to having guys like Leo Komarov around when he was, yeah. just because all that value they put on voices first in the line, locker room. Yeah. yeah, first line, exactly. But again, character guys, right. the intangibles and whatnot. And now maybe I'm being a little more hopeful compared to expectation, right? but I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt here. But I feel like those guys aren't going to get the same amount of minutes that maybe they did in years previous, where you see more traditionally the top nine being used more right. in comparison to that bottom that bottom line, that fourth line, like a lot more teams tend to do. Maybe they're not going to get as many minutes as they have in, in years past, but I, I think that they're still going to get used. I think that they still serve a purpose on this team. I think that, you know, that, that spark and that energy that they can bring is, is still valuable, especially Sezekis. I mean, it's kind of unfair to lump him in with those guys Yeah, that, because uh, he still has... Notice I didn't say his name. Right, you can't, right. You can't, because Casey Sezekis is not, you know, when we said this before, yeah. he's a third, you know, a third line right. center on mm-hmm. most teams. Um, and it, it's kind of the situation is very unique and the circumstances are very different here on the island with the Islanders and, and mm-hmm. their fourth line compared to other to other teams. So uh, it, it is sort of a curious, uh, you know, a point of curiosity for me going into the into the offseason to see what the Islanders do. And if that's the case, then, you know, what is the bottom six makeup? Who are they going after as far as or who kind of takes the reins? In in, well, in I th- minutes I th- there, I think the top. Well, you say bottom six, and I I think that the the top half of that bottom six, the third line, is still going to get a significant amount of time. I th- still think JG Pajot and whoever's flanking him. I mean, you can put some placeholders there now, just because we don't know what kind of shuffling they're going right. to do yet this summer. But you figure Parise's probably in there somewhere. Palmieri might be. Right. Bellows might be. Wallstrom right. might be. It really depends There's on. It might be is there. What's that? It's a lot of might well, be. No, it's and Josh Bailey could be there. Anthony yeah. Bavillier could be. The truth is, like, until we really see where the chips fall, like, if they bring anything in from the outside, what they bring in from the outside, that's really going to determine who's going to be flanking JG Pajot because that's all going to trickle down from the top. Because you, because ha- the the truth is, and we've seen it on the ice this year, all of those guys have been used throughout the lineup. Yeah. Whether it's next to Barzell, Pajot, or Nelson at, at various points of the season. So it's really going to depend on what Lou lands on by the time we get to September, October. And I, I hope that there's going to be some names that we're not used to <laughs> that are going <laughs> to be on that ro- on that training camp roster by the time we get there. But you figure J.G. Pajot's there. It's just a matter of who's next to him. But I think whoever is there, that's going to be a very good, solid third line. 
See, they. St- it's funny because, you know, we know what they need, but there's still plenty within that forward squad that makes up a deep forward lineup. It's just kind of adding that one or two piece, and really just in my mind, one, and as far as the forwards go, that could really just, you know, trickle down to the rest of the forward squad and everything's fine. You could look at the second, third line, fourth line and be like, okay, that all makes sense. That's all fine. You know, but until we find out, you know, who those guys are, it's tough to, to, to pen, to pen anybody in there. But with the general idea that I think the third line's fine and they're going to get plenty of ice time. They're going to, they're going to, you know, shut down other teams' first lines. They're going to go up against the Crosby lines and the Patrick Kane lines and whomever else. Right. I think that's still going to be JG Pazzo's job, whoever's with him. It's just a matter of finding out. But I think, that maybe Barry will be a little more selective when he wants to get that energy spark, if you will, from the Sezikis line. But you're still going to see Martin thrown out there. You're still going to see Clutterbuck thrown out there. And maybe Johnston gets more of the odd game next season, spelling Martin for a game or two. Right. Maybe not so much Clutterbuck, but probably Martin. Because, I mean, Martin's probably the most noticeable, noticeably slowed down individual out of those guys so maybe you see a little more of a shared job between those guys but but i think maybe just overall you see that line uh that line's time reduced compared to the rest of the forwards yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how that how that all shakes out and obviously you know looking at the rest of the lineup and there's certainly going to be conversations about where wallstrom falls into that and then matt, matt even matthew barzal where he falls into all of this as well yeah. You know, Brock Nelson, who we talked about last week and the week before, you know, he's really surpassed everyone as sort of your first-line center, and I think for, for good reason. And that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out there. But the point of it all is you kind of saw bits and pieces of that at the end of the season this year. You mm-hmm. saw kind of the continued growth of, of um, you know, Brock Nelson's game and, and a lot of different aspects that have played out. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this all how works itself out in the offseason. No doubt about it. And we're going to continue this discussion with Andrew Gross of Newsday. I want to thank you all for tuning in live at twitch.tv slash hockey night ny and of course later on at your favorite podcast providers i'm gonna take a quick break when we come back andrew gross will join us it's a new islander season and you've got a great spot to catch all the action rj daniels american barn grill in rockville center inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big screen tvs and in-game sound enjoy it all with delicious food drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. RJ Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down, watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week, hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, your home for New York Islanders hockey. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another 
another country, you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800. That's 516-856-7800. Or visit them on the web at ThaiTechnology.com. That's Thai, T-I-E, Technology.com. Thai Technology, the right choice for your internet phone service. Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching and or listening to Hockey Night in New York, presented by R.J. Daniels. But right now, it is time for On the Line, brought to you by Thai Technology. And joining us on the line, good friend of the show from Newsday, the great Andrew Gross. Andrew, thanks again for hopping on with us. How you been, bud? Christian, Sean, uh, it is great. I am... I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, I know on FAN you're not supposed to do this because you get all the feedback, right? <laughs> right. But I am told that you can watch your fine show on twitch.tv backslash hockey night NY. That is. So I am, I am going to that <laughs> and I'm going to try and see. What the hell we're talking about here? <laughs> all right. Sounds great. Well, they, they, there we are. This is great. There you go. There you go. Wow. Watching while he's talking. Andrew, figure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure one of his daughters is probably there figuring all of this nope, out for him. No, nope, no, nope. both still in school. This is a. Uh, this is my own uh, little science project here. Wow, this is impressive, Andrew. I'm very proud of you here. Yeah, yeah. I see you two are moving, and I'm very stationary. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, it's it's. Because you're uh, not on Twitch, or you're not on the the video. Sometimes we, we we tried that once, and it did not go as well as. Uh, no, as no, we... it it did, not, it did not go well, and there are a lot of things I'm not on. So yeah. <laughs> Andrew, we appreciate you coming on and, and joining us here to kind of go uh, go over what what was the Islander season because certainly it it was a lot, and uh, there's a lot of ground to cover with the New York Islanders and and sort of where things have stand going into this offseason. But I, w- I want to look back, and obviously one of the big questions surrounding the Islanders now after after the 82-game season so, uh, you know, kind of goes towards Oliver Wallstrom and sort of where the organization stands with him and his future with this team and what his role is going to be. Andrew, you were, at, you were at breakup day the other day. You spoke to Wallstrom along with the other uh, assembled members of the media there. What was that? What was the conversation like with Wallstrom and, and, and where do you think his head is at now that the season is over? I, I think he's in a, a pretty positive headspace, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, he's he's always a really, uh, he's a cool guy to talk to when he's relaxed. And, uh, you know, it, it's not just at a, a podium or, or on Zoom. Uh, he's a really good one-on-one interview. He's, a, he's you know, he's an interesting guy. Um, and I think it was Kevin Kurtz from The, uh, from the Athletic uh, who, who got around to asking him about, you know, his relationship with Barry Trotz, which, you know, and I know I've portray- I've tried to portray the fact that you know it's sort of like a you know a father son type relationship, and and Barry is trying to guide this kid, um, but there has been some tough love in there, 
and uh, Barry's been critical of Oliver, and and you know he, he's been critical of Kiefer and and and, and Noah at times. You know, the, the Barry Barry uses the uh, the media to his advantage when he can, and uh, and you know what, Oliver just kind of laughed it off and said, "Yeah, I, I need some tough love at, at times," and, and and I thought that was really good recognition by a a 22 year old kid or 21 22 year old kid that no he doesn't have all the answers and you know what i i probably thought i had more answers in the world when i was <laughs> wally's age than wally does and, and i think that's a really good sign he knows you know he was asked what he wants to work on in the off season he sort of laughed he said everything he needs <laughs> to get better at everything you know he needs to be stronger and uh, he also brought up a good point, which I, I think you, you get it, it gets lost a little bit. But you know, the, the, the younger prospects, even you know, Ilya Sorokin talked about this. Um, that not this just completed season, but the previous season when they played fifty six games, it was all within the division. And you know, right. Wally was talk. Wally was talking about he had never been to California before. He had never. <laughs> He had never had to jump on a charter and land someplace at 4 a.m. and and go play a game the next day. He, you know, he knows he needs to work on his nutrition, you know, to keep his body in, in tune to be able to do all of that stuff. And he, you know, he was talking about never been to California or Arizona, never played an 82 game season. And Ilya Sorokin was was talking about the same stuff. He said, you know, if we're talking about not hockey. This is a beautiful country. He had not seen the country before. And then Ilya said, "If if we're talking hockey, this was hard. He, you know, eighty two games is hard, uh, especially if you haven't gone through it before." And I think this this experience for for Wally for for Ilya for Kiefer Bellows is just going to be huge for next season you know provided and I think we know Ilya Sorokin's going to be on the team but provided Kiefer and Oliver Wallstrom are on the team next season this this learning experience can only benefit the Islanders yeah no question Andrew and and to keep the focus there I mean, kind of the question of whether or not those guys are going to be on the team next season. If you, you know, obviously you remember Lou Lamarillo back around the deadline talking about probably having to make some hockey trades this summer. And there's probably a limited amount of names you can look at with this team, right? As far as who they could actually include in one of those said hockey trades who might be worth something to the other team if the Islanders are looking to get anything of value back, right? And I think. Oliver Wallstrom and, and also Kiefer Bellows are two guys that probably are on that short list. So do you think, let me ask you, do you think both of those players are going to be at training camp for the New York Islanders next year? Do you think maybe one of those guys ends up being, you know, ends up going the other way in one of those quote-unquote hockey trades? I, you know, not to be wishy-washy or right down the middle, but I, I would think it would probably be about 50-50 mm -hmm. that both guys are back for next season because I agree with you spot on. You know, if you're going to make a hockey trade, these are the kind of guys that other teams are going to be asking about. I mean, more yeah. so, you know, obviously they're probably going to be asking about Robin Sallow and they're going to be asking about Noah Dobson, who... You know, you go around the NHL, Noah Dobson is, you know, for what he's worth to the Islanders, it would sort of be like going to the Avalanche and saying, hey, what what do you need for Kale McCarr? Right. 
Well, it's, it's not going to happen. It, you know, so Noah Dobson is as big and untouchable uh, for the Islanders. But I, I can't tell you that either Wally or, or Bellows are, are, are untouchables if you want to improve this team. Yeah, I think I think you're on the money there. And and again, like I think it's kind of universal throughout Islander country. Everybody seems to know they need a top six winger. They need a top four defenseman, probably a left side defenseman. And when you look at that, and maybe to focus on the D a little bit, and you brought up a name I wanted to talk about in, in Robin Salo. So, you know, maybe people are penciling in that defenseman from the outside, either playing on the left side with Dobson, or, or dare I say you see a split between Pellick and Pollock. Maybe you see Pellick with Dobson and Pollock with the new guy. Do you think Robin Salo has enough, or has he shown enough where maybe he could be paired up with Scott Mayfield out of camp on that left side on, on the third pair? Um... I, I'll be honest, I don't know that he's shown enough yet uh, for me to tell you that he's going to be a full-time player in the NHL. I mean, there have been stretches where he's shown some stuff, and you're, you're pretty in, encouraged by it. But I, right. I, I also thought it was interesting. We had Bridgeport coach uh, Brent Thompson uh, on a Zoom call Um all the days run into each other. So I have no actual idea when we <laughs> talked to him. It was towards the end of last week. And um, we obviously we're asking him about the young guys. And what he said about Robin Sala was, so he comes over, he plays okay uh, in Bridgeport to start. He gets that call up to the NHL. He plays in the NHL. Islanders start getting healthy. Robin Sallow comes back to the AHL. And then if you remember, the next time the Islanders needed a D-man from Bridgeport, they went, I think, Parker Wotherspoon was next man up. And then it was a Grant Hutton. And, and, and it was a little while before they got back to Robin Sallow. And uh, specifically when they brought up Parker Wotherspoon, uh, Barry Trotz made it very uh, he pointedly said, well, we brought up the best guy from Bridgeport and that made people raise their eyebrows. Well, what about Robin? Mm -hmm. And, uh, Brent, Brent Thompson said, look, Robin Sallow went up to the NHL. He came back to the AHL. And I, I think the exact words Brent used was, I don't know if he thought it was going to be easier, right. but, but there was a definite sense that Robin Sallow, you know, was like, Oh, I made the NHL. Um, but look, you can't think like that in the mm -hmm. AHL because, look, you, you, I, I, there, there's great debate as to whether the AHL or the KHL is, is the second best league on the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, I I often think it's the AHL, to be honest with you, um, just because it's a more physical league and, and you really you really do have to be a man uh, in the AHL, even though you're, you're starting out sometimes as a very young man. And, you know, Robin Sallow learned a very good lesson that nothing is going to come easy in, in professional hockey in North America. And, uh, you know, so if he can use that, and I thought he was better, you know, the last few games here mm -hmm. when he came back up. Um, if he can kind of use that over the summer and come into training camp with the realization that no matter how hard he thought he had to work or no matter how hard he thought he was working you got to go 10 steps beyond that 
And if he's learned that lesson, then yeah, I, I think Robin Sallow can step into the lineup because he's got the he's got the physical tools. He he's got the talent to be an NHL defenseman. He just has to put it all together. Talking with Andrew Gross from Newsday here on the line, brought to you by our friends over at Tide Technology and Andrew. Obviously, one of the other big stories from Breakup Day was the comments from Matthew Barzell and his 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 statement of of wanting to be here long term and work out a contract extension. And of course, when anyone hears that now, people have a have a you know hard flashbacks to a couple of years ago um, when someone else, I guess, made a similar circumstance. So, I guess to to my question to you, Andrew, is how long until? Uh, Matthew Barzal forces his way out to Seattle. No, I'm, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, no, but how, I mean, I guess what's the feeling, what's the sense of what Barzal's um, long-term future with the organization is after this season, considering the year that he had and sort of the, um, you know, you know, Matthew Barzal's a guy that goes out and has a tremendous amount of skill, but he's not one that puts a ton of goals in the net, or at least, I guess, not as much as many people thought he would. Where, where do you see his future with the Islanders and, and kind of where, what is his role uh, going forward here? Well, I mean, for him to be worth that long-term extension, he has to be the number one center. Mm-hmm. And as of right now, Brock Nelson is the number one center. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you saw, I did five off-season questions for the Islanders in, in Sunday's newspaper and one of them was, when or if do the do the Islanders open negotiations with Matt Barzell? And I sort of think that the Islanders, I know the contract, his three-year, $21 million deal runs through the end of next season. But I really feel like that's a this off-season question is mm-hmm. determining exactly, for, from the Islanders' standpoint, how do they value Matthew Barzell? Do they value him as the number one center? And if you, if you value him as the number one center, you don't let number one centers walk out the door, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Islanders have had that problem because they let a number one center walk out the door. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> but, but I... I, I, I I do think that's a valuation that, that, that the franchise needs to make. Um, you know, if you're asking me whether Matthew Barzell is worth, you know, uh, let's just say conservatively, $8.5 million per season, you want to go there? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's Matthew Barzell is going to want more than the $7 million per right. season. No, oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, do you think he's a $10 million a year player? Probably not at this point. Um, so let's split the difference. Call it 8.5. Do you want to give him seven times 8.5 at this stage in his career? And I'm saying that I, I don't have the answer to that. Uh, all I'm saying is the Islanders need to figure out this offseason if they have the answer to that. And if they don't have the answer to that, then you need to start thinking about moving on from Matthew Barzell. Um, having said that, uh, you know, when, when Matt 
said, you know, he wants to be here long term. And I know Islander fans freaked out. You know, I got a million comments. Yeah, we heard the same thing from JT. It's, you know, <laughs> it's uh, deja vu all over again. I, I'm I'm honestly, and, and again, I was not here for most of the JT saga. I sort of parachuted in at the end, <laughs> and I had a rough landing with that one anyway. Um, I've been here for, for pretty much all of Barzi, except his, uh, his rookie season. And I'm telling you, when he said that, he's not, he's not a two-faced guy in any way. He's not, you know, he, he doesn't have that in his, he's not a good liar. I, I guess is what I'm saying, or he's not. He wouldn't say it if he wasn't thinking it. I, in his, I, I, when he said it, I knew for a fact that that's exactly what he's thinking is yeah. that if they threw a contract, uh, a seven, eight year deal in front of him, that was financially amenable to him. He would sign it on the spot and, and he would be here and he would be very happy. You know, all the, the talk about Barzi, to Seattle. Um, obviously, he 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 grew up outside of Vancouver, right. and he played his his junior hockey out in Seattle. But you know, as he points out, the team played about forty five minutes outside of Seattle, um, and he's from Vancouver. So right. you know, he was trying to discount because he hears the chatter. He was trying to discount this. I want to be in Seattle. He says, I've never actually really been in Seattle <laughs> except for, you know, a handful of games they would play downtown. Yeah. For the most part, they played in the suburbs and he's a Vancouver guy. Right. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the Matthew Barzell wants to be a Kraken uh, storyline you know, there are a lot of holes in that. Well, that's just it. Everybody loves a good narrative, <laughs> right. Andrew, even if it makes sense or not. Very true, Andrew. So what I what I took away from that is Andrew Gross saying Barzal to Vancouver, not Seattle. Make sure right. we get that Thanks right for clearing that up for us tonight, Andrew. <laughs> on, a, well. on, a, on a more serious note, though, Andrew, uh, just getting back to Barzal's contract for a second, is there any sense from the organization, too, um, or I, I guess maybe some extra pressure to get this resolved or sooner rather than later, considering what happened the last time around with contract extension talk or contract talks going into training camp the last time they had to, to kind of figure this deal out, not wanting to repeat a situation like that. You would think, right? But look, if, if you know the way Lou Lamarillo operates and if you know what Lou Lamarillo says, he always says, when you have time, you use it. Um, he has been saying, I've known Lou now going on two decades, and Lou's been in the league two decades past that. And from the, from the day he entered the NHL in 87, he has always told people, when you have time, you use it. So would it shock me that they go right to next season, you know, go through this season with Barzell? It would not shock me at all. What I'm saying is the team has to make up its mind what it feels about Matthew Barzell. Now, you know, we, we know the cone of silence around Lou Lamarillo. He may have made up his mind already. Right. Um, but there, there's also, in, in, to me, there's also as great a chance that the, the, the franchise hasn't quite figured out how Matthew Barzell fits in long term yet. Um, you know, what kind of investment to make there. They're almost, they're almost boxed into a corner because unless 
Aturati, you know, turns into a number one center, which is not the projection for him. You know, his ceiling seems to be probably a second line center. Mm -hmm. And there's some thought that he might be a third line center. Um, the Islanders, you know, yeah, you, you, you strike Barzell from the ledger. You still have Brock Nelson. You still have Jean-Gabriel Pajot. You still have Casey Sizikis. But you don't have a player like Matthew Barzell. Now, does that force the Islanders' hand here into paying, you know, for a guy that maybe they're on the fence? It, 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 it might because, again, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. You can't let guys like this walk away, you know? Andrew, I just want to interject here for a moment and, and, and just opine that I feel like this is borderline crazy talk right now that we're having here <laughs> with the prospect of Matt Barzell not being a New York Islander in, in the long term. I just, I mean, there's some decent points being made to, you know, to at least think about that reality of him not being around. But I, I just, I, I would be, and now, now I probably sound like Sean Cuthbert from, uh, what was it, uh, how many years ago when JT was, was lining up for free agency, right? Because I, I thought he was staying for sure. But I just don't see a future with this team, with, with him not being part of it. Just not only with his skill set, not only the fact that he can be a first-line center, but he's also young. I mean, why would you let that go when there, there's already the issue of, of how old this team is getting? And you look at Brock Nelson, he's in his 30s. Anders Lee, a lot of those, they got to have a core here. They already know what Barzell brings to the table. I just don't see why management would even think about, you know, letting this guy go unless he turns around and says, guys, you got to pay me $13 million, you know? Well, here's the thing, I, and, and I agree with everything you just said. Unfortunately, <laughs> the, in the NHL, everything is looked at through a salary cap prism, sure, right? Sure, sure. And if and my, my point is, if the Islanders, in their valuation of Matthew Barzell, do, do not believe he is an eight-year by eight-point $5 million player, they're going to have a, a decision to make. And I'm not saying they have, they have or had not made that valuation. I'm just mm -hmm. saying that is the starting point. You have to decide in a salary cap world, because what we're talking about is committing to Matthew Barzell for seven or eight seasons. And that does limit what, the rest of the salary cap will be like. So they have to be 100% committed to the idea right. that Matthew Barzell is the right guy to invest in. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and that's fair. This is Hockey Night in New York, and this is On the Line, presented to you by our great, great friends over at Thai Technology. And with us on the line, scaring the crap out of you right now <laughs> that Matthew Barzell is going to leave the Islanders, is the great Andrew Gross, who is a great friend of ours. Here, uh, he's from Newsday, covers the New York Islanders. I want to interject, too, as well, just a quick <laughs> update from Bridgeport, where the baby Islanders are down one nothing to the Providence Bruins uh, with just about 10 seconds left in the second period. Plenty of hockey left. Plenty of hockey left. Shawnee being the optimist that he is. Andrew, looking back at the, the big-time Islanders, I guess you would call them here, um, when you look at guys, not Matthew Barzal, but the Oliver Wallstroms we kind of touched on a little bit, um, but you look at Kiefer Bellos, you look at Anthony Beauvillier, you look at some of those middle, um, you know, second, third-line guys that are Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey. Um <laughs> Where, where did their futures lie? Because now it, we're in a really interesting point in all of their careers. Josh Bailey, 
getting up there a little bit in age. Obviously, there's other teams that could be interested in a, a you know a veteran forward like himself. Um, Kiefer Bellows, kind of a, a question mark throughout this year. I, I still don't know what to make of him at this point in his career. And obviously, Anthony Beauville, when you look at him, he's had some really tremendous moments and, and moments that I think are probably going to go down in franchise history. And he's had other moments where just not great. Um, so what do, what do you make of these guys, these kind of middle, middle of the pack Islanders right now? Well, I mean, again, it goes back to what we were discussing earlier, hockey trades, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to make a hockey trade, I I, I guess there's a possibility Josh Bailey could be in a hockey trade. But again, looking at it through the salary cap, what's that? I said, you bite your tongue. Don't you talk about Josh Bailey like that. I'm just saying through a salary cap prison, Mm -hmm. You tell me what team is going to want to take on the last two years of Josh Bailey's contract. I, I don't think I don't think there is going to be one to make a hockey trade with Josh Bailey. Now, as far as Anthony Beauvillier, that might be a guy that teams are calling on. Mm-hmm. He's the right age. He's he's at the right salary. He's there's a lot to like about Anthony Beauvillier, and that's probably why Lou Lamarillo would think three four five times about dealing this guy because he plays a very responsible 200 foot game he's not just you know maybe when he was a younger player you looked at him and you were like wow that's a fast fast skater and that's what he was um but now there's a a lot more to his game um but the, the the flip side of that is he probably does have some value on the trade market. Um, you know, again, being the right age and, you know, with a, a with a decent contract. So it, it would not shock me if there's at least some chatter uh, that way uh, this offseason. You know, and look, I... I I, I, I would, if I'm the GM, I would hate to give up on Bo uh, just because he is young, and but he's a very young veteran, right? He yeah. Mm-hmm. was going through his seventh or eighth season. You know, it's remarkable how quick that's gone. Um, but as you alluded to, there's a streakiness to him. Um, and, you know, can you move that for maybe you know, a guy who has maybe less of a ceiling, but more consistency, would that be better for the team? You know, I, I think those are, are, are questions that should be pondered. Andrew Gross from Newsday, really appreciate you giving us all of this time. I do have one more question for you. Um, and we appreciate you coming on and we appreciate you putting up with all my nonsense and um, you're always so great with it. <laughs> it's always great to have you on the program. Uh, Andrew, obviously this was the first 82-game season that we had in quite a while in the last couple of years with, with everything that's gone on and the, and the outside world, outside of hockey. For you, Andrew, what was maybe your favorite point of the season um, from, I guess, a professional standpoint from covering this team? What was your favorite point of the year uh, looking back on it all now that you kind of have had your own moment or two to kind of sit down and digest the 2021-2022 NHL season? So uh, that that precludes me from saying the moment you took the Nets beat. Oh, wow. Nice. Damn. That was, that no, was good. I'm Talk no, that was good. I like that. <laughs> Love it. Christian, you, you know how happy I was to see you when you came back for that last game. So yes. I'm just, I'm just kidding you there. <laughs> I, know, um, I know. I'm sorry. So I, I, w- I was so excited to get out that dig. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> 
What was what was your uh, favorite part of the this eighty two game season here? I think it was on the ice, off know, the get, ice. <laughs> getting getting back to, I mean, I think it was just the totality of playing eighty two games mm. and having that. You know, it was a bizarre, not normal season, right? Um, <laughs> and there were there, sure. were there were there were. Far too few games in December. Mm. There were far too few games in January. There were way too many games in March and yeah. April. But you know what? I liked. I liked being just knowing that the team was going everywhere. That I was going everywhere. Um, that 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 there was hockey being played. That there was a full playoffs yeah. uh, to look at. Um, you know, not being played in a bubble. Mm. Um, I, I, you know what? I mean, if you ask me, you know, favorite moments, I know this guy like did not endear himself to the Islander fans right up until like the clock struck midnight, <laughs> but it was, it, it was really special being at UBS arena watching, um, Zdeno Chara score that goal mm. with, with 43.4 seconds left. And, um, you know, just, uh, just everything associated with, for, for this guy, for the fans to finally really appreciate this guy, uh, this season, you know, I, I know he was 44 and then he was 45 and I, I know I, I saw all the complaints by the fan base yeah. about, you know, how, how he was not fast and how he was hurting <laughs> the team and all of that. But I'm telling you, I, it's special when you get to watch these guys. He's a, he's a Hall of Fame player. And r- whether you saw him at the start of his career, the middle, or the end, you're watching one of the greatest players in NHL history. And, and for him, for the, for the fans to finally give him that moment a- at the end of the season, was it, it was really it was really cool and special. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I mean, in not a good way but just the uh, just the coincidence of the islanders being in montreal and and mm. and me being in montreal covering a game uh when mike bossy passed away um that was incredibly emotional um you know it was very emotional um when the islander fans had their chance to pay their respects at ubs arena but you also forget, as Islander fans, you you know you got the blinders on, and you look at Mike Bossy, you know, strictly as a New York Islander. But Montreal looked at Mike Bossy as you know a child of that city, and, and they felt a profound loss when when he passed away. You know, so that was that was a moment, and unfortunately. You know, when you think of this season, you 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 think of the, the sad things. You think of you know, losing Clarkie. Uh, yeah. You know, I I, I, I keep going back to uh, the ribbon cutting ceremony on uh, November nineteenth at UBS and talking to Clarkie and just he was Clarkie. He was as healthy and he was as funny and he was as engaging as as you remember Clarkie, right? And then two months later, he's gone, and you you just you can't comprehend that. You know, so, you know, I'll, I'll remember no, November 19th, although it was in retrospect because that was my last chance, really, to uh, get a chance to hang with Clarkie a little bit. 
Right, right. Well, Andrew, fantastic stuff there. And uh, I'll leave you with this. I mean, this is probably going to be one of your longer off-seasons uh, covering the New York Islanders with, with the way the season's transpired. Will you be working on your golf game in the summer months coming up <laughs> now that you have a little extra time to yourself? I, I, I'll tell you what my golf game is. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's, it's either going to the mini golf course or playing golf rival on my phone. <laughs> I, 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 I have no golf game. My ball, when I get to the driving range, my ball goes about 100 yards <laughs> and then makes the sharpest left turn you've ever seen in your life. And it invariably, like, hits someone in the head, Oof. like, four, four greens over. So, no, I'm not working on my golf game this, this summer. You know what I am working on? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I'm working on my froth game because froth. I love that. Is that Frisbee golf? Yeah, yeah. That, How did that you is, figure that out? Because I've actually seen like a clip or two on. It's been a long time, but it, yeah, just popped into my head, right? You're, throw, you're throwing frisbees around the golf course, right? We, uh, yeah, no, me and my buddy, he, huh. he went out and he bought a, uh, a frog set. So you get, oh. it's not a, a full bag of clubs, but you get three different frisbees. <laughs> they're, they're three different weights. And one's, one's your, uh, your, your driver, basically. Sure, yeah. Um, that's the, that, that, that's the heavier one that you, you fling and it can go further. Okay. And then there's sort of a mid range frost <laughs> frisbee. That's like your iron. The word gets then, me every time. Just froth. It just then, sounds ridiculous. And then you, and then you have your putter, you know, to, to drive it home. And, right. And, and, and we have, you know, up, up, up near my house, we have. And it's all free, so I'm not paying any greens fees. I'm not paying for the <laughs> for the cart. This is all free. It's okay. a little county, a little county park with an 18 hole, and it's like Bethpage too, because you have your your easier course, your mid range course, and then you have this freaking black course that mm. like you'll get lost in the woods trying to like you know. So yeah, no, I'll be working on my froth game this summer. Andrew, it is always a joy to throw in those random questions towards the end because you never know what you're going to get, and that was fantastic. Frolf, I love the word, and, and I wish you the best of luck working on the Frolf game this summer. Uh, you, you, you know what? Because, look, Frolf and beer go together really well, too. You guys should come up. We'll take you out on the Frolf course, and we'll make a day of it. You know what? Uh, that, that sounds like we're a great in. idea. Andrew, I'm in for some Frolf. Let's make it happen. Oop, did we lose Andrew? Did we? You, oh, oh, he's there. You, you got it. I'll, I'll send you the directions. <laughs> All right, it. Andrew. Wait. Andrew Gross of Newsday and the Island Ice Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, buddy. Always great stuff. We'll be talking to you over the summer. Have a great rest of your night. Oh, can I do one shout out? Because since I am on Twitch and I'm looking at all the questions. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, my friend Thomas Boyle is up there. And, uh, and <laughs> Thomas, I'm going to get to your question. I'm going to do another Island Dice episode eventually. I will get to your questions. And thank you for everything. And uh, Christian, Sean, I, I, if, you know, I'm sure I'll talk to you. But have a, enjoy the playoffs and uh, have a great summer, Ben. You too, Andrew. You too, Always Andrew. a pleasure. Take care, all right? You too. Take care. All righty. Andrew Gross from Newsday, Islanders beat writer, of course, also co-host, the or host, I should say, the Great Island Ice podcast, which you should always check out after checking a hockey night in New York, of course. And surprise, surprise, another marathon run with Andrew Gross. Frolf. Frolf. Frolf expert. 
Froth. We're gonna go Froth. Andrew has a lot of Andrew has a lot of interesting. He's uh, an eccentric uh, individual. Drummer, hip hop drummer, hip hop drummer, Frother, and uh, he's a big cricket guy. Apparently, is that right? He's a big cricket guy. Wow. I had a lengthy discussion about with him about cricket one night at uh, UBS. He's Arena. a very cultured individual. It's, it's a lot of random crap he, <laughs> he likes. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, you know, it's all good stuff. It's that all good was stuff. hilarious. Yes, yeah, all great stuff. I did want to, Andrew mentioned something that I, I wanted to mention earlier in the show, and we, we obviously got wrapped up in, in some of the other stuff, but the Zidane Chara night, Froff, yeah, we got, we got wrapped up in Froff. Yeah. Um, the Zidane Chara night at UBS Arena, uh, the last game of the season there, What it really was a special moment to, to be there in the building, to see Zidane Chara get his due. Islander fans who have rightfully kind of giving him the business for the better part of the season. Yeah. Doing doing the, the, the classy thing, I guess you could call it, by by going out there and, and just appreciating the fact that for 82 games or, or some facsimile of that, you know, one of the greatest defensemen in NHL history was a member of the New York Islanders again. I agree with you, Christian. I think it's great and, and unexpected. Just yeah. because of yeah. how much crap the guy got all year i mean the complaints were rampant from the beginning of the season up until friday night yeah essentially so that kind of caught me off guard but also made me a little proud of islander country for looking past all that and like you said just honoring a dude who had a a lengthy nhl career a a a great nhl career won himself a stanley cup Mm -hmm. captained an original 16 to that stanley cup and obviously one of the best defensemen to ever play the game he now holds the record for most games played as a defenseman so i was unexpected but also impressed by Islander country for for giving him uh such a great send-off and pretty awesome that he did get that goal to kind of cap it all off right absolutely yeah it was it was it was very poetic that it came in the last 43 seconds of the game which um you know in the third period especially Islander fans were screaming for him to shoot the puck just about every time it touched his stick right and then of course that after that the the Tampa Bay Lightning coming out and shaking his hand mm-hmm. the entire mm-hmm. team shaking his hand now Zdeno Char has not said whether he is or isn't retiring after this season but I think that all signs seem to be pointing towards you know pro- likely the end of his his playing career and and what kind of comes next will be an interesting thing to watch as well because we've talked about it here. Zdeno Char is a guy that certainly could could hold a well, front office or NHL coaching position for any organization. I mean, Tampa Bay kind of made the decision for him, right? Like, he can't come back now after shaking everybody's <laughs> hand. Tampa's kind of like, all right, we'll see you later. It's been great, but, uh, you know, you can't come back now, <laughs> right? I mean, that's it. The Lightning made that choice for him, so... Farewell, sir. No, I'm sure if he feels like he can play another year, he will, and he'll probably get a contract somewhere. Somewhere. A yeah. one-year deal. Who knows? Obviously, it's got to be the right place, the right circumstances. I don't think he's going to be back on the island now, as a player. I, I, I think that ship has sailed. I think yeah. if he's back here, it's in some sort of managerial managerial position, whether that's a coaching spot, whether that's a special assistant to, you know, whatever. Right. There's a job for him. The same thing with Johnny Boychuk, who's, who's made a couple appearances late in the season mm-hmm. as well at UBS Arena. And, and but I feel like even if Chara was to do something like that, his first his first destination would be Boston, right? Just because of the, the the kind of the roots that he kind of you know grew there and whatnot. Like I don't Absolutely. even think the Islanders would be the team that he would do that with. But you never and know. His family's Lou, still up there, I believe. Well, that's that's the point I'm trying to make is that he's got his life is still pretty much there. So yeah. if he, if he's going to get into you know, the the other side of the rinks, sort of, so to speak. I think it's going to be up in Boston. But, look, even though the season didn't work out the way anybody really wanted to, and, and, and you can say what you want about, 
you know, his contributions to the team this season on the ice. But it was a nice little story from the comeback to the island and, you know, kind of give him the send off and, and kind of really putting his career full circle. It would be a little, it would be pretty, you know, storybook if he did close his career as an Islander after opening it. Yeah. Island, I, it'd be, you know? it's, unfortunately, it won't be with, um, sort of the success that the Islanders had hoped they would have this season, but yeah. still nonetheless a very cool uh, tidbit if that is the case. But I did want to just mention that I, I agreed with Andrew. That was a very cool moment to, to be there and be in the building to see that. That was something that, you know, even Barry Trotz said that's he's never seen that in his career. So very, very nice way to end the season. Even, even, in, even in the middle of a loss, it was a, it was a very positive feeling, I guess you could say. I agree, Christian, and the train rolls on here as we approach the hour mark at Hockey Night in New York because, hey, we're wrapping the season, so we're going to go a little longer than... Leafs are up 3 nothing. 3 nothing. Yeah. Well, that's not good, at least not for me. Why is that? Well, I'm in a little bit of a pool, postseason pool. Dude. It's interesting. It's, it's, uh, you got the, the first round, and you pick who you, who you think is going to win each series, and then you, you put confidence points to each one. Okay. Right, so basically, I got eight. I picked the Panthers, and they're my most confident win. Right, right? so I got eight points. Well, you have them, them going to the Cup them. final. I have them winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah, but this is just a first round pool parade in the. And I Central picked Tampa. Park. I picked Tampa. So, so Toronto being up three nothing is not well, good for me. Game one. It's game one, and look, Toronto's been known to collapse. It means nothing. Yeah, they might collapse this game, let alone the series. <laughs> you know, it's it's early, folks. It's, it's early. a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. Exactly. So back to the aisles. We talked about the age speed thing. I was going to bring up the whole puck movement thing. I think that's what makes bringing in a top four defenseman very important because their their breakouts, at least in, in the first half of the season, le- left a lot to be desired. And, and I think they're really going to have to not only move on from the Zidane Charles of the world, but the Andy Greens too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like... I think Andy Green needs to come back just to have his moment in the sun. <laughs> right. I don't know. Look, I I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with him or to maybe a lesser degree Chara coming back as a very distinct seventh defenseman, like a guy who's not on the regular rotation. You want to bring Andy Green back to have the veteran presence and step into a game if and when somebody gets hurt or whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. But I don't need to see either one of those guys in the top six anymore. And that's kind of why I started maybe – pushing things a little bit for Robin Salo in that discussion with Andrew before. Because yeah. if you're looking from within, he's probably the most NHL-ready guy that isn't a regular right now. Now, as, as Andrew pointed out, or, or questioned, is he ready enough? Maybe we're not sure yet, but I wouldn't... Look, if he had a good camp, and let's say they didn't bring in too much defensive depth, depth beyond this, this top four that I seem to be assuming they're going to get as well... Right. <laughs> then, I mean, if he has a good camp, I wouldn't have a problem trying him out next to Mayfield on the third pair because, you know, they're going to have the least amount of minutes by comparison, and he, and he has that puck-moving, you know, speedier pedigree where I think he could compliment a guy like Mayfield, and I think it could work. And, you know, you just got to hope that they bring in that other top-forward defenseman that I was talking to. And, and, and I do, interesting enough, interestingly enough, think it could depending on how, how this, this mystery person meshes with the team, maybe you maybe you see the breaking up of the pellick pullock pairing because I think Pellick and Dobson could make a lot of sense together. And now that Dobson is really starting to establish himself as, as the top point-producing defenseman and you know he can move the puck and he, impl- he can play an offensive game, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Dobson next to Pellick if they can bring in a guy 
who can complement Pollock very well. Because Pollock has a very good defensive side to his game, too, where he can play a good two-way game where you can kind of maybe have two hybrid guys there where you bring in a guy who's not only a puck mover on the left side, but maybe a little defensively responsible as well, where you know he can compliment a guy like Pollock. I mean, I'm kind of just getting into fantasy hockey here a little bit, but I mean, this is this is what the summer's all about. You know, you look at who they might be able to bring in and how it might be able to work. But I wouldn't be shocked if if Pelican Dobson becomes your your top parent going forward. It would be interesting to see how long that takes to, I guess, come into effect, so to speak. Because I I don't know I. I could see it happening. I don't know how quickly that that becomes your top defensive pairing, though. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just yeah. don't know if it's, it's I'm around not, the corner. I'm just saying it's possible. Because look, you saw so much mixing and matching this season as it is. Uh, before Pelic, sorry, before Pulik went down with injury, they were already splitting them up because it wasn't working up and down the six. Right? They were having problems. They were seeing the the speed problems and the puck moving problem with Green in there and Char in there, and they tried to spread the wealth, right. if you will between Pelican and Pulik being their clear top two defensemen in that first half of the season. Dobson didn't really find his game until late January, as we talked about, where he started just putting those points up left and right, and he really found his game. And they they kind of got to see what, what the world looked like <laughs> with Pelican and Pulik not paired together. And I think now that they have Dobson really coming into his own now, and if they're able to bring in another top four guy they may be willing to mix the pairings up because it's it's a different dynamic too because Mayfield was your was your second pairing right D when you had Taves there right mm-hmm. you had Taves and even Letty before that experiment didn't go well but it's a different dynamic now where Dobson kind of becomes that puck mover on the right side no matter who he's paired with mm-hmm. right he was with Andy Green not a puck mover he was with Zdeno Chara not a puck mover right so they don't have that left side guy right now and it could, Pella could fit that spot. He could fit that spot with Dobson if they want to have him munching minutes with Pella. They're going to decide who they're going to they're going to want paired up and munching the most minutes and playing against other other teams' top D and whatnot. Right? Sorry, top forwards and whatnot. Right? And I could see it going that way. And if they bring in that other guy, then they might say, "Hey, look, you know what? Now we can kind of balance this a little bit more, where you have our ultimate." top defensive defenseman in Pollock playing with our top offensive forward in Dobson, and that's a nice little marriage there. And then you can mix it up a little bit in the second pairing. And again, I'm, I'm kind of just playing, you know, fantasy GM here a little bit, right. but it's not, there's nothing wrong with having that option if they're able to land that guy that we all kind of know the Islanders need. It is a, a fascinating, fascinating scenario to play out, but they do need, I think the big aspect there is they need to land the player that they need for this of all course, to, of course, all to shake out in the way you. Well, think if it they would. don't, it's gonna be it's gonna be another long season. I'll, I'll say that <laughs> it's just the truth. They they need a top four left defenseman. No, they do. Yeah, because he's not. He's, is who that? Who is that? That who guy is not in the organization right now, <laughs> and he, he they have to get him somehow, whether it's through free agency or or through a trade. But they they got to get that guy. And Chris Botta seems to think that they're going to get Shikran. I hope Chris Botta's right. I mean, look, that's just him throwing it. Yeah. I don't think that means Chris Botta knows anything. But, I mean, that that's the guy you go after. He's playing on a on an Arizona team who's not going anywhere. No, they're going I'm to college. Sh- <laughs> they are going to get an education. That's right. They're going to college. But, I mean, I'm sure he'd be happy to leave Arizona. So if the Islanders can offer Arizona something enticing, something, that can make it work. That's the guy you go after. But, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. if Do you have the list of free agent 
available free agents this summer? I have a list of top 30 free agents. You do. Now, are there any interesting defensemen on there? Because I know there's some interesting forwards. Did you there's some to... interesting forwards. I don't know if there's too many interesting defensemen. Yeah, so this, and the reason why I, I raised that question is because I think they're going to have to go the trade route for that day. And I think that's what <laughs> what Louie was talking about when he said hockey trades. Because yeah. I think to get that defenseman. I, cause I, and I think that's what they can do. And they might have to. Because we've talked about on the show how they don't have a lot of assets no, to deal no, with, right? No. And I kind of feel like with the assets that they do have to make a deal, one deal, it's got to be for that D, and they got to go the free agent route for the forward. No, I... Uh, you got I a mean, smirk on your face here. What's, that's, what's, uh, what do you got here? No, nothing. I, um, okay. No, I, I, that's probably the route that you kind of have to go at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are, as you alluded to, there are a number of, of interesting free agents that maybe could fill gaps here and there for the mm-hmm. Islanders. But defensively, it's, it's, it's not, you know, there's no names that jump out and go, oh, wow, that's, that's someone the Islanders need to pursue right now. It's, mm-hmm. It really does come from finding that right deal, finding the, the, the right trade partner. Maybe that is Arizona just because of the circumstance that they're in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as... as limited as the Islanders assets are right now you have to look at a team like Arizona and go that's a team that's essential that's an organization that's in disarray perpetually (laughs) it's not wrong and they are probably more likely and more open to at least getting something for for Chikrin before things get too you know too out of hand in, in that that situation too so I would imagine that that's why the Islanders and, and Chikrin are always sort of linked to yeah. one another. I mean, it's understandable. The, the Islanders have also kind of been, I guess, the Chikrin chase, you know, whatever you want to label it. Right, but they're uh, not going to be the only ones. Now. No, no, they're and not going to have them. to offer the best package to make that happen, too. And that's something we have to remember. And Matthew Barzell. And do they have the assets <laughs> to yeah, make I'm that kidding, happen? I know. You. We know you. Well, I don't know if everybody else that's does. I know you are. Yeah. Well, look. It's going to be a long summer. Lou's got a lot of work to do. He's going to be on the phones, and he's going to be talking to agents. He's going to be talking yeah. to general managers. And maybe having a longer offseason gives him a little bit of a head start on that. <laughs> Instead of focusing on the team during the playoffs, he gets to focus on what happens this summer. Yep. And we'll see. We'll see. But top six winger, top four D, you got to go that route. And they're going to need some depth D as well. I, I think they, they I mean, unless unless they're confident in a guy like Sal or something like that, you know, because, you know, you know, you got Dobson, Pelican Pollock, and then you got Mayfield, who kind of doesn't have a partner now either. You need two left side defensemen. If you're bringing back Andy Green, I don't I don't feel great about that I don't feel, to, to be in the regular rotation in the top six. But they like their veterans. so You never know. <laughs> I mean, Clutterbuck's back. Martin's they do back. love their veterans. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But just to keep talking a little bit about the, the, game. the season. What, 3-3? Island, three, island, three? <laughs> no, Islanders, Islanders Providence. There we go. See, the Islanders are in the playoffs. They're just playing different in Connecticut. Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> the, the different Islanders. The different. <laughs> but that's great to hear. 1-1. One, one. All right, cool. Because it's only a three-game series. Grant Hutton with the goal. Is that right? Yeah. Otto Corbin See, all that experience assist. up with the big boys really helped him out. Yeah. No, he's got a goal right now. <laughs> all right. You love to see it. So, oh, you know who had an assist on the uh, Providence goal? Who? Aaron Ness. Oh, that's funny. Aaron Ness. I didn't even know he was in their system. Neither did How I. about that? Former Islander prodigy, Aaron Ness. Didn't really pan out. So, goal scoring. Actually a better by a hair than last season, funny enough. Made the playoffs last year, went to the conference finals. Bounced out this year. Slightly better because of the second half that they had with goals. Right. But still, ultimately, it's a problem. They're averaging yeah. 
it was 2.79 goals goals for per game this year. Under three goals. It was less than what they were giving up. What's funny is they were eighth overall in goals against. And it, it was like 2.83. <laughs> so they were still giving up more goals than they were putting in, which obviously is not a, a winning combination. Not ideal. So not ideal. even though the defense is still pretty strong, the goal scoring is still a problem. And, and you look at the special teams, and the power play actually improved. 12th overall, 22.1%. PK was 4th overall, 84.2%. So what does that tell you, Christian? It means you weren't doing well 5-on-5. Five five. No. Great special teams. Which is weird because right? that's always been the Islanders' bread and butter. Right. And it's always reversed. We always talk about the special teams. It's, you know, it's got to be better, this and that. And, and this season, and maybe it speaks to where things sort of went wrong for the Islanders, their special teams were very strong. Their, their, their five-on-five game really struggled. And you could, you could, again, it goes back to sort of that, that inability to do what the Islanders did so well, and that was kind of transition the puck from, yep. from defense to offense like they've done so so skilled in years past and that's really kind of been the crux of their offense or creating those offensive opportunities in seasons past was being able to play that strong defensive game moving the puck out of the zone through the neutral zone and into the attack you know and and getting into position quicker than their their opponent and this year they just really weren't able to do that they struggled to to kind of gain the zone cleanly they struggled to move the puck out of the defensive end of their of the ice um you know they all of the things that traditionally the Islanders have done well in the past were sort of not, they weren't terrible, but right. there were, there were limitations to what they were do and what they were able to do and, and how successful they were in doing that. I'm with you. And it's true. And it, it ended up being just such a, such a problem for this team. And and, I, yeah. and we've talked about it before, like the transition game, getting the puck. Not, I mean, look, if you're preventing goals, that's fine, but you have to be able to move the puck out of your own zone to start score, scoring goals on the other side. And, and I think it's a combination between the transition and also just how snake bitten, if you want to use that term, some guys were in that first half of the season, whether you're looking at the P guy, the three P's, Pajot, Parisi, and Palmieri, right. were the guy that they couldn't buy a goal in the first half of the season, and, and it took the second half for them to get there. Now, now, interestingly, did that also coincide with Noah Dobson finding his game and, and becoming more of an offensive weapon himself and, and helping those guys to get those goals? I think that's there's something to be said there. Maybe that kind of... You know, they kind of go a little hand-in-hand hand there with, with Dobson being able to bring the puck out of the zone himself, get himself a ton of assists. I think he had 30, 38 assists on the season. Yeah, he had 13 goals, 38 assists. And, you know, maybe that had a lot to do with it. And maybe that's going to help in a, in a full 82-game season now where where he's going to be that type of player from the get-go instead of waiting until, you know, four months into the season, three, four months into the season. Definitely because it, it plays a part in it. Because as we've talked about, the loss of Nick Letty, the loss of Devontae's a couple of years before that. Yeah. Um, all those guys, you've seen uh, Noah Dobson kind of, I'm not saying he filled that void later in the season, but you saw him get a little bit more comfortable in that aspect of his game. Mm-hmm. And that was important for what the Islanders, um, you know, style and, and their, their game plan is usually. So to at least have someone that can do that a little bit better. Um, you know, than some of the other guys they, they had on defense, because when you look at the other guys they had back there, there aren't a ton of puck-moving defensemen. You know, Andy Green is not that. Zdeno Chara was not that. Um, you know, Scott Mayfield, when he was healthy, was not that. So it was right. it was very limited in, in what they were able to do and how well they were able to move the puck up the ice. So to have someone start to develop like that, I think that certainly played an aspect into yeah. it. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how well that translates next season and, and how comfortable he is with, with – 
different aspects of his game going forward. Yeah, I agree with you there. I agree. I mean, look, it's, it's unfortunate we have to wait all the way until July <laughs> to see what this team may or may not do just to change things up. It's going to be a long couple of months, especially without Islander playoff hockey to watch. But, hey, you got NHL playoff hockey to watch, which is going on right now. And, and AHL playoff hockey to watch. That's right. You so got there any, is Islanders any, playoff hockey to watch. Yeah, you get invested in the, in the Bridgeport Islanders. You never know. 1-1 one, one still, right? Oh, I, I exited the screen. Oh, that's okay. But, yes, 1-1 one, one still. Well, it is 4 nothing Leafs now. Wow. Uh, Mitch Marner. Thanks to the chat here. Yeah, thanks to the chat. Apparently, the, the Leafs have two shorthanded goals. Wow. So, but you know what? Tampa dropped game one of the Islanders, too. Wow. <laughs> so, again, it may not mean anything. But four, no, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought Tampa would, you know, be a little stronger out of the gate here. Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently not. Is what it is. So, why don't we, why don't we break it up here a little bit? Why don't we go to what's on tap real quick? Okay. How about that? All right. Fantastic. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for What's on Tap, brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. Christian, the Islanders don't have any games left in this season, so what's on tap? Froth. <laughs> A lot of froth. A lot of froth. Froth is on tap. Maybe maybe some golf, and I know that's no, the joke. No, they're just playing froth now. You think so? Rolf. You think the Islanders have... I don't, I don't think Hal Clutterbuck has given up golf for Froff because he's, he's apparently a very good golfer. He's a big golf guy. Yeah. He's a big yeah. golf guy. There's yeah. a lot of uh, beach time in their future. A lot of right. vacation time. A little time. vacation. Yeah, yeah, maybe the Caribbean. Yeah. Sure, sure. Maybe out, out to Europe. Maybe Spain. Maybe. It's possible. <laughs> All you know, of them. Portugal. <laughs> coastal countries. San Diego. I don't know. <laughs> San Diego. Yeah. Maybe maybe going out west. Yeah. Look, folks. It sucks. No Trips playoff. to Blue Line. Trips to Blue Line Deli, yes. Or R.J. Daniels. R.J. Daniels. Great planules. That's what I hear. Get to R.J. Daniels. What yeah. if they're playing? Or Oyster Bay. Oyster Bay yeah. Brewing Company. I wonder if R.J. Daniels, will they play Will they play uh, Bridgeport Islander games on the TV now? It's a great question. Should find out. We should find out. I'm pretty sure they're telecasting all the, um, or I should say broadcasting, all the playoff games at AHL, theahl.com. Like, they weren't able to, to get AHL.com. Which is hilarious. <laughs> so their web the address number, is theahl.com. The number of times I've, I've went, I'm like, oh, let me look something up of on course. the AHL website. I'll just type in ahl.com, and it takes me to some, they, something else. What is AHL? Whoever, whoever owns ahl.com must be demanding a king's ransom for that web address. Because for the for the league to to just go with the ahl dot com means it, it it's it's a pricey it's a pricey domain, which is pretty funny. Takes me to looks to be uh, some sort of research company. There, well, I guess I guess they're they're really proud of that ahl dot com web address that they have because they're not willing to give it up. No, it, what a shame. It directs to man dot com slash ahl. <laughs> I don't know what this is. I don't know. I don't Man know. Man AHL, one of the longest-running systematic managers. Well, Technology-empowered active investment management focused on delivering performance and client portfolio solutions. So here we are, Hockey Night in New York. <laughs> American Hockey League. <laughs> and we're, uh, we're researching websites here for you now. So we're, hey, we we're, we're broadening our horizons here. That's what H&I happens when the Islanders get knocked out of the... Yeah. But, but, but more seriously, beyond the froth and the golf and, and the vacations... You got the draft coming up a little later, yep. not in June this year. That is June, sorry, July 8th? July 7th and 8th. Seven, a Thursday and a Friday. Also year. interesting. Usually it's a Friday, Saturday. What's up with the Thursday, Friday thing? Don't know. You need to get to, bo- to the bottom of that. Really? I need to understand why. Because. I don't know. 
Okay. Well, and then a week later, <laughs> yeah, because agency. I don't know. Yeah, free agency a week later on the thirteenth. Yeah, am I getting that date right at least? Yes. So then, that's less than a week later. That's like five days. Five days later. Five days later. Okay. Free agency, brah. At least, at least we're we're getting closer to to the normal days. You know, usually the draft is end of June. Usually, obviously, July first, a week later, is when free agency is. So we're getting closer. Next next season should be. The closest thing to a normal season we've seen. This year was close. We had 82 games, but there was still a lot of nonsense. Hopefully next year is uh, a little more normal. And, um, you know, they start in early October. The Islanders don't have to start <laughs> with a three game, 13-game road trip. Right. And, uh, you know, so that'll be better. But, yeah, folks, uh, you know, that's what's on tap <laughs> for the New York Islanders. So. Yep. That was What's on Tap, brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. That was What's on Tap by the great, brought to you by the great R.J. Daniels. So we covered a lot of bases already. We, we covered a lot of these players with, with Andrew and, and even here a little bit. So I'm just trying to, I mean, let me, let me give you a little rapid fire here. Staying or going? Go. Semi Varlamov. Uh, going. Going. Yeah. Interesting. Anthony Beauvillier. Going. I think he probably gets packaged in some sort of deal. Josh Bailey. Staying. Kiefer Bellows. Staying. Oliver Wallstrom. Staying. So you think both of those guys will be staying? There'll be enough room for both of those guys and Josh Bailey. I think it'll end up being Wallstrom and Bellows playing... Back and forth like we saw last year again. Really? Neither one earns a regular spot? Not until the midway point when I would imagine Wallstrom would finally figure it out. Okay. That's okay. My prediction. Interesting. So can you bring up Cap Friendly from here for a moment? Can you do that? Because both you and Andrew said that the Islanders are going to have some issues with the cap if they're trying to bring some. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> Bringing in some guys. So... Where do they stand right now? Because I know, I think, I think literally they only have two guys that they quote unquote need to sign. That's if they want to bring them back, and then it's a full roster again without making any other moves. What's their cap space looking at? Looking like right now? Uh, it says final cap space is at two million six hundred seven thousand one hundred twenty four dollars. That's for this season. I'm talking about next season. Oh, I have no idea. They have just about everyone under contract except Kiefer Bellows, who is an RFA. Correct. Noah Dobson is an RFA. And he's going to get some money. Char- yeah, he's going to get some money. Chara Green, Sebastian Ajo is an UFA G6. Now, aren't you able to see what the cap space is for next year? If you go towards the top, you're at the bottom right now. You want to go down a little bit here. It should be somewhere. Uh, yeah, maybe. No? No. It's not there. Okay, scroll down a little bit there. Okay, it's not there. But they're going to have more than that $2 million because it's going up a little bit. You have a couple of contracts that are coming off, and they might have some wiggle room, maybe not a ton, but I don't know if they have to completely flip the roster upside down in order to make the ads that we're talking about here. Now, do they, I don't even know if they're going to have to deal of off in order to make that happen, uh, but they're going to have to probably... Robin Salo is also an RFA this year. Oh, okay. Parker Weatherspoon is an RFA with arbitration el- eligibility. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't be too concerned about Michael his contract. Even, even Michael, s- Michael Del Cole is still here. <laughs> you know what's He's funny about Del Cole? I forgot he was even a, a, a part of the franchise. And so is Otto Koivula, who has arbitration rights this, this offseason. Okay, all right. These are all guys that are going to get minimum po- contracts, probably two-way. If they bring them back, they're 
They're Bridgeport Sound. Uh, Bridgeport Islanders. Islanders. Yes. And it's funny. I only was reminded of, of Dal Cole being um, part of the uh, part of the franchise because I was looking to check out the playoff situation. And I saw them <laughs> interviewing Dal Cole, and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that's right. He's, he's, still, still, there. he's still there. How about that? So, yeah. So, um, thank you, Mike4562Co. I think we have around 12.5 million in space. That sounds about right the last time I was looking at it. So... They, they're not completely up against it. Now, obviously, Noah Dobson's going to take up a nice chunk of that. If they add another depth defenseman, that'll be maybe between a mil, two and a half mil. Uh, if they bring in that top four defenseman, that's going to bring in some more money, but you would assume that the sal- salary going back the other way, whether that's in the form of uh, Anthony Bavillier, uh, Josh Bailey, less likely, and or uh, an Oliver Wallstrom or a Kiefer Bellows. So, you know... They don't. They're not in. The, look, they're not in the dire straits cap wise that they were previously. Where, you know, Lou Lamarillo had to, you know, basically summon a miracle in order to get rid of Andrew Ladd <laughs> and send him over to Arizona, get rid of that contract, and you know, you had to dance around a little bit with the long term IR and stuff like that. So I don't think it's going to be that much of an issue, or, or as much of an issue as it has has been in, in summers past. So I do think they can construct that roster that. Most people are hoping that they can without having to sacrifice a critical piece like a Devon Taves like they had in the past or to a lesser degree, Nick Letty. And, well, also, you you lose Eberle and Letty in the same summer. And, you know, that kind of helped them get out from under that, you know, dire situation with the cap, right? I mean, that was basically $10 off the cap there, and now it's a little more comfortable. So I think they can can make that squad that, that could you know, get back to competing for a deep playoff run, assuming they get the right guys. Right. I'm just saying I think the money now can allow for it, even if you still do have to trade perhaps a Bavillier or uh and or Wallstrom or if you really gotta get rid of some money, Semyon Varlamov. I think that's he goes if, if Lou says, you know what, I need some more cap space here. I think that's when Semyon Varlamov goes. Because I think the Islanders prefer to have him stay and finish out that contract, just like Varlamov. He, he's already come out and said he wants to stay. No, he wants to stay. Yeah. Well, of course he wants to stay. He's making $5 million next year and want to stay too. Well, he would be making $5 million whether he was traded or not. Also, he has <laughs> well the difficulty of getting rid of Varlamov – Additionally, is that he has some say in where he goes. He Sixteen the, team, no trade yeah, clause. I thought it was a fourteen team no trade clause. But, but regardless, we're, right. it's two different two teams. Yeah, Semantics. but he has a say in where he's going. Yes, and as Mel Armenia twenty two reminds us, Hickey's contract finally comes off the books. Yes, he's done. They no longer have to pay Thomas Hickey free agent. Yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, I actually didn't even scroll that dark, that deep into a cap friendly for that to come up. Yeah, the he was last there. Thing on the yeah before Komarov went back to the KHL, he was eating up some money when he was down at the bridge. So yeah, I mean they're they're chipping away at that at that cap space here and there. So look, I think I think Lou's going to have the room to make the moves. It's just a matter of finding the right dance partner, getting the right guys, and you know maybe maybe there will be some happiness in Islander country this summer. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We will see. So Christian Arnold, why don't we take a break and come back? and talk about some heroes. Wonderful. Sound good to you? Wonderful. Folks, I want to thank you all for hanging out with us on your Monday night at twitch.tv slash hockey night. NY, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the hero of the week. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer, and Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. 
Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations in the Islanders' brand new home, UBS Arena. And because Oyster Bay has increased distribution across the country, you can grab your Barn Rocker from Carolina to California if you're following the team on the road. Here at home, the tap room on 36 Audrey Avenue is open seven days a week indoor and outdoor seating so you can experience their smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. Hey Islander fans, you already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal, and now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which is the Selly with grilled roast beef, sautéed onion, mushrooms, fresh mozzarella on a toasted garlic hero. But with this being the end-of-season edition of Hero of the Week, we're actually going to do Hero of the Year, Hero of the Season. So Christian... As we've done here in this segment, we typically allow you to go first. Oh, thank you. So, Christian, why don't we do that again? Who's your hero of the season for the New York Islanders? I think this is an easy decision. Okay. It is the goaltender, number 30, Ilya Sorokin. Ilya, tell us why, Christian. Because he's good. Uh, One of the few bright spots on the Islanders roster finishes the season with a 26 18 and 0 record or excuse me 26 and 18 and 10, 8 record i don't know why they keep the tie on the uh on the nhl website stats chart i don't think they get a loss when they lose in the shootout i don't think they right do. that's it's considered an otl okay that's what that is okay win loss otl so i don't know why they keep tie on that anyway okay, fair enough um Ilya Sorokin was just phenomenal. Uh, you saw a real maturation in his game and his playing style and his comfortability. You know, the first time he's playing an 82-game season, he plays 52 games this year. Um, that's the most he's played in his career. Obviously, he had won one, you know, one season under his belt after this year, and I think he played, what, 12, 13 games last year in that 56-game campaign um, that the Islanders played. Something around there. Something like that, maybe a little more than that. Maybe. So, well, regular season games. I'm right. not talking about playoffs. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so he plays 52 games, which 
Um, when you look at his his uh, his playing time, he finishes with a two point four zero goals against and a nine two five save percentage. And fifty two games, by the way, is one shy of what Igor Shosturkin played, and he's been, he's a you know the front runner for the Vesna Trophy this year. So you look right. at Ilya Sorokin. If the Islanders had made the playoffs, I mean, you're talking about um, a battle of New York goaltenders for one of the NHL's most pristine prestigious awards in, in the Vesna trophy. And, and, you know, I think Sorokin is deserving of even being in that conversation without the Islanders even going to, the he's playoffs. gotten a little chatter recently, a little chatter, which is nice. So it's, it's hard to not pick anyone, but Sorokin considering the year he had the success that he had with the Islanders organization and the growth in his game and kind of taking that step and becoming the, the guy now that you can comfortably and confidently say that he is now the goaltender of the future for the New York Islanders. And, not even the future, but he's the goaltender now for the New York Islanders, and that he's he's the real deal. I don't think there's any arguing that, but I am going to accept that challenge as far as finding another hero okay. of the season, and I am going to give that to none other than number eight, Nobson, better known Ooh. as Noah. For his name, Dobson. <laughs> yes, for for the for the top nickname of the 2021-22 campaign. Noah Dobson. No, he did a lot more than just get a great accidental nickname. 51 points in the season. First defenseman on the New York Islanders to crack 50 points since Mark Streit, the former captain. Mm -hmm. That happened a long time ago. Yes. And again, the fact that he did it with only really getting his game going at the end of January says a lot and makes you wonder what else this gentleman can do playing with the confidence that he has now in his game and, and the abilities that he's shown where can the guy crack 60 points as a defenseman playing 82 games the way he has, getting more ice time? Because that's another thing, too. Earlier on in the season, he was still being shielded a little bit out there. He still was getting a little less ice time, and it wasn't until he broke out where he starts hitting 20 minutes, 22 minutes, and what have you. Mm. So you see that over an 82-game season, and maybe Noah Dobson puts up even more than 51 points as long as he's healthy, right? So, I mean, I, a huge year for him. I think you're, you're spot on with Sorokin. I, I don't think you can go wrong with either guy here. Uh, I think it's, it's huge that Sorokin has established himself as a number one goalie, and I think... I think he's really hit that like top one percentile of like expectations <laughs> yes. that Islander fans had for him. Because I think even if he was a, a, a capable starter, you know, a good goalie who could win you a game every now and then, people would have been satisfied with that. But the fact that he's he's exceeded that and and he took that whole best goaltender outside of the NHL and now has turned into one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. Uh, says a lot about what he's going to be able to do for this team when he gets a little more run support <laughs> from the guys in front of him. And and it's great for him to get a little Vezina chatter, even though he's, he's obviously not going to win the trophy. They didn't make the playoffs. They didn't get enough wins. And, and that stuff, you know, whether you agree with it or not, carries more weight. But he was right up there at top five, I think, with goals against average, save percentage, or he was right there. So he's he's definitely deserving of the talk there. And, and look, if they do become a... You know, they get back to that success that they had previously this year, then he's going to be very seriously talked about as a Vezina candidate. And and you look at Noah Dobson, and you never know. Maybe he's a guy who can start creeping into Nor Norris conversation. Because, look, if you can crack 50 points as a defenseman, you enter that conversation, even if it's, even if it's on a minimal level. I mean, 50 points is, is something that, again, Islander fans haven't seen in a long time. And as, as good as Mark Streit was for the New York Islanders, Noah Dobson's 
ceiling is much higher than what what Mark Streit was here, and that's why I think when I start saying Norris Trophy and stuff like that, he's gonna he's gonna be able to have a much more well rounded game, and he's still such a young guy. And uh, I think uh, that's another huge, huge development that that while they still do need to obviously round out the defense this summer going into next year, I think he he maybe makes it a little more comfortable because he's been able to develop into what to what he he has. Because look, in in October, November, December, you're still wondering kind of where his place was going right. to be, and we were still maybe saying, okay, maybe he's going to be a middle pairing right D behind Pollock. And I think most of us would have been all right with that, but now we're seeing his ceiling is is much higher than that, and mm-hmm. that's that's very promising for this team. So, with all that word salad out of the way, Noah Dobson, my Ooh. hero of the season, great, nice pick. I think they were both excellent, excellent. Pick sad, sad face Thomas Panic. Yeah, sorry, Thomas Panic. Just didn't, <laughs> didn't work out for you. But Ilya Sorokin, Noah Nobson Dobson. Noah Nobson Dobson. <laughs> are your heroes of the year. So, Christian, we have hit the 90-minute mark of the night. I think we covered pretty much everything as far as talking about what this team did, what it didn't do. You know, we gave you a little rapid fire there and guys who were staying or going. Mm-hmm. I mean... I don't think we need to go up and down the roster and review every player. I mean, you can talk about Paul Mary and Pajot, how they bounce back. You can talk about Mayfield missing the end of the year, which is a shame. I think prior to that, he had a fairly solid season. I think he kind of, you know, he's he's still the same defense than he was over the last couple of seasons. Varlamov, I still think, deserves a little more credit than he got this year. I think people got very caught up in how, how well Sorokin has performed this year, but right. I still think Volamov was solid, and, and he really didn't get goal support from this team from the vast majority of games that he played. I mean, he had he had quite a few losses this season, but I think they were more on the team in front of him than, than Varlamov himself. I'd be happy to have him back there as the, as the 1B now behind Ilya Sorokin. And look, I still think this team... Could have been could have been better, uh, you know. If if things had went their way in certain aspects this year, would they have been good as the, the past two seasons? No, I don't think so. I, at the top of the show, we talked about the warts that were exposed this year, and I think those are things that are going to need to be addressed this summer. But the core is there. They still have some good young guys in the system. They still have some good veterans in the system, and I still think they have a great mix to to compete for the postseason next year and 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 go far, especially if they get those those uh you know pl- those positions filled that we've been talking about so with that said christian why don't we go into questions brewing and then we'll wrap this thing up all right let's do it it's time for questions brewing brought to you by oyster bay brewing company long island's gold coast brewery that's right folks it's time for questions brewing brought to you by oyster bay brewing, brewing company and their fabulous mango seltzer it's getting warmer out there folks it's seltzer time i like my seltzers in the summer i like a year round but definitely definitely during the warmer months nice little pint glass with ice very refreshing sounds delicious <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds delicious all right no christian, it does sound delicious it, it is delicious so christian let's go what do you got for me t boyle 13 question brewing do you see bolduck samuel bolduck challenging for a roster spot this fall i don't I don't. I hope he has a great camp, and I hope he turns some heads, and I hope he has us talking about potentially making the squad at some point next year. But I don't think he's going to make the team out of camp because I think if, if that is in the cards, that means Louie didn't do his job this summer. <laughs> That's what I think. Louie. Louie Lambs. What else you got Louis for me? Lambs. I'm going to need you to go back because I had to refresh my page. Oh, no. So you questions. needed me to give you a longer-winded answer. I did. <laughs> 
Okay, fair enough. Let's see. I didn't screen this one, so this better be a good one, Mike. 4625 Co. Question Bruin. Lots of discussion going on about Barzi. Some fans say he underperformed, including Butchie. Others say Barry's system and lack of talent is to blame. What say you? I think that there is a, and I think we talked about this. I don't know if it was on the show, but I think we talked about this. I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what Matthew Barzal's skill set really is. And I, I think when you look at his style of play, he is an assist man at, at, and a very talented assist man. You look at his career, and aside from the, um, you know, the rookie of the year season that he had, the, the Calder Trophy season, um, you know, I think it's become abundantly clear that Barzal is a guy that he's going to he can skate circles around people and he can make he can set up a lot of great plays, but he's not going to score. I think as many goals as people imagine him to score, uh, or thought he or thought he would have scored with where he was drafted and the expectations that have been placed on him. That's not a knock on Matthew Barzal's game. I think that's a more fundamental flaw in how people understand what his skill set is. It's not he's not a goal scorer. I'm sorry. That's just not the person that he is or the player that he I is. I think that's more by choice. I think he has a good shot, and he's capable of scoring. He's shown it. He's had, he's had some great goals. When he elects to shoot, they go in. <laughs> I think it's it's like a, a poor man's Josh Bailey syndrome <laughs> where he just or elects. man's Josh Bailey syndrome. Well, I'm saying that he elects to shoot, uh, sorry, pass a little more than he should in some circumstances. I just don't think it's as blatantly offensive <laughs> as Josh <laughs> Bailey when he does it. Right. You know? Like, there, there certainly have been some plays where I'm like, Matt, why didn't you just shoot that? I, I just don't... I, I, he hasn't reached the level of Josh Bailey. I hope he, he doesn't. But I think that he, if he just chose to shoot the puck more in, in certain circumstances, then you're going to see more goals on his, on his total. Now, now, now obviously, I, the, the, the train has left the station with Josh Bailey. The guy's in his 30s. Like, we, Josh <laughs> Bailey is what he is, as far as that goes. Matt Barzell is still in his 20s, mid-20s, right? Young, young 20s. He's still got a chance to maybe, you know, start adjusting his game a little bit towards shooting the puck you know more but, but look if anybody should be passing it should be Matt Barzell because if he's a phenomenal passer and he does set up a lot of great goals and he had what 59 points in the season I would argue he would have had more if guys that were flanking his side in the first half of the season could have finished a little bit more than they did I mean he had a lot of great setups in the first half that just weren't getting buried they were either hitting posts going wide wherever the case may be now that still means his goal total would be low, but you might be looking at closer to 70-something points instead of 59 to 60 if he had some guys that could finish. But, he, look, if you can get a guy who can finish for him, you don't necessarily need Matt Barzell to score goals. Like like Joe Thornton in his prime. Did anybody say, ah, I could do without Joe Thornton putting up 96 points a season because he, didn't, he doesn't score enough goals? You know, Joe Thornton would put up, what, maybe 15 goal seasons? Mm-hmm. And I'm obviously guesstimating here without having the numbers in front of me. But, what, you know, 65, 75 assists with 15 goals? He's still your first-line center, and he's still setting somebody up for those goals, whether it was Setaguchi or whoever it was back then, <laughs> right. right? But the point is, is that Matt Barzell as a as a as a primary assist man is fine as long as he has somebody flanking him who, who can put the goals in. And you know, we saw Lee and Everly doing that to to a degree for a couple of years. But I think they got to bring in a guy if they especially if they're going to keep Lee with Nelson, which I think is what they're leaning towards. They got to bring in a guy whether it's a Philip Forsberg or what have you, that, that can put those goals in. And I don't need Barzell to score goals as long as somebody's putting them in the net. But 
And and I think that's a rational explanation and answer to that. I just think people assume that he's the guy that, that needs to go out and scores twenty score thirty goals a season. That's just not his game. No, uh, even in his best year, he, that wasn't his game. So I agree. I it, I think that's sort of what you're saying, and and I agree with Sean in the sense that if if he had someone else on that line to move the puck to that could finish on on a player too, he he would have more points this season. But I don't necessarily yeah. hang that on Matthew Barzell per se. Right, and and we've kind of alluded to the thought that maybe he's not the type of star that makes the players around him better, like some of the other ones are out there. And and I'm not I'm not saying that as an absolute truth. He's still got plenty of time to prove prove otherwise. But you look at this season, did he really make his line mates that much better? I don't I don't know because they they weren't finishing and they weren't right. putting the points up. So it didn't look great from that aspect this year, but it doesn't mean he can't do it going forward. I still think he's a first line center in this league. Whether he's in the upper echelon with guys like Sidney Crosby and stuff like that, that's another completely other question. But you can be a first uh, Sidney Crosby's a superstar. Matthew Barzal's not a superstar. He I'm is, sorry. He's not he's look that would be an unfair comparison. He does not, he is not at the same level as Sidney Crosby at the same age as Matt Barzell. It's just absolutely not. Absolutely not. But it doesn't mean he can't be a good first-line center yeah. that I, I, puts I up first-line points. There, I think he just needs yeah. the, the guys around him to be a little bit better. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, T-Boyle 13 questions, Bruin. Who do you see getting traded on the Islanders this summer? We kind of addressed we, we that. We addressed it a little bit. I mean, you you did your, your, your uh, rapid fire before. I think... You're gonna. I think Bailey stays because of his contract. I think I, I would not be surprised at all if, if one of Bellows or Wallstrom is gone. And and there's something telling me it might end up being Oliver Wallstrom if if one of those two guys got to go. But then again, maybe it's just Bavillier and they both stay. <laughs> I don't know. But one of those three guys are going. Bavillier, Wallstrom, and and Bellows. I would have to think at least one of those three guys are getting dealt this this summer. Do you got one? Or you need me to go to the next one. No, I need you to go to the next one. <laughs> All right, questions brewing. Uh, T-Boyle, 13 again. Do you see Walsh from starting in Bridgeport next season? No. I think if he's on, if he's part of the Islanders franchise, he's going to be up at the big boys. Now, here's a great question from Mike4652Co. With Detroit relieving Blashiel of his duties, is this the year we lose Lane Lambert? Um. I mean, everyone feels like that. This is the year. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they're going to go through an extensive search and, and the usual mm-hmm. nonsense. And I'm sure, I'm sure he'll be one of the candidates that are brought in. I, I mean, realistically, it's it's crazy to imagine a team hasn't hasn't picked up on him right at, at this point to to lead an organization or to coach an organization. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it could very well happen. It could very well not. I think that's kind of been the the. The feeling. I think you you talked to Barry Trotz or, or earlier mm. this year, or in years past. I think he's even kind of dumbfounded that it hasn't happened yet, considering just the the pedigree and the the accolades that Lane Lambert comes with, mm. and and sort of the um, respect that he has around the league. But you also look at the NHL, and it is it is an old boys network that everyone <laughs> everyone right. gets the same job somewhere somewhere else, so they're always the first ones to get it for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, you look at um, you know guys like like. Um, you know Gerard Gallant or John Tortorella mm-hmm. or um, Elaine Vigneault. You know guys <laughs> right, who right. have had you know monikers. The recycling of, bin, exactly. <laughs> They've had success somewhere, so then they get another job somewhere else. And you, you have a guy like Lambert who's been waiting in the wings and who's been interviewed for different jobs and just mm-hmm. just hasn't gotten his chance for for whatever reason. So, um, is this the summer it finally happens? I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily. Mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'll cop out like Andrew did on one of the questions. <laughs> I'll just say it's 50-50. Well, Mike, I think it was a good question, and you got to figure there's going to be at least another one or two coaching vacancies in addition to that Detroit vacancy. But Detroit is interesting because they're a young team that's trying to come up, and maybe giving a guy like Lane Lambert his first shot with a team like that uh, could be something that works. So you never know. You never know. Okay, I guess I'm going. I'm doing the next one too. Is there a next one? Let's see. Okay, you already did bo- the bold do question. So the last I'm literally one. just going through the chat here the and making one. sure. Okay, so it looks like that'll do it for yes, our sir. chat questions here in questions. Christian, do you have any questions? Do I have any <laughs> questions? I do not. Christian has no questions. I'm going to ask you a question, Christian. Because we ask it a lot of our guests, and I want to get your assessment here. And you, you're obviously, um, you know, very brutal when it comes to your assessment of the Islanders. Because you, you have to do it because you want to be a heel, and you have to do it maybe because you're actually, you know, talking some truth and talk, talking seriously. But I mean, do you think with this core and all for all of its warts and flaws, and 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 for all the the positive things that they still have going on? I mean, do you think that Lou Lamarillo can steer the ship back into the playoffs, but also? to to be as competitive as they have have been the past couple of years with the right moves this summer can they get back to the to the deep playoffs next year if they can't do it next year then ownership has to have a real a, a serious sit down and figure out what what their next move is because then something is wrong and you have to then reconsider what the process and and you're going about to try and make this franchise i think they still have the pieces you look at mm. Brock Nelson being a forty, uh, you know, near forty goal scorer this season. You look at the development of Noah Dobson. You look at the development of Ilya Sorokin, which has been the Islanders' biggest, you know, biggest Achilles heel since the days of Rick DiPietro, and that's goaltending. Of course, finally having someone that's here and within and the organization, within the organization, yeah. it seems like they're stable and ready to take on the challenge head on. And then you look at Anders Lee. You look at. Um, you know some of those top six guys that they still have some some juice left. Yeah, you know I I think the pieces are there. It, it comes down to making the right additions in the off season and patching the holes that the Islanders weren't able to or didn't patch during last off season. Of course, that starts with the number one thing we've talked about, and that's getting a top four defenseman to to be able to move the puck a little bit more um, smoothly through the transitioning and helping to create those offensive opportunities. It, it goes into finding maybe someone else to ride that wing with Matthew Barzal so that when he does create those opportunities, someone's out, someone else is out there to finish the chances that he's setting up for them. And so we're on the same page that this summer is about patching holes, not, not buying a new ship, not, not tearing it down and, 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 you know, putting it back together. No, I, I just don't think that's in the cards. I don't think that it, it, it makes, it doesn't make sense to me. The Islanders are a lot better off than I think the season they had is indicative of. Um, you know, I'm not one to give them the, I'm not one to take them off the hook for having to play 13 games on the road. I, I get sure. how, yeah, how yeah. terrible that was and mm-hmm. um, traumatizing. I'm sure to have to play 13 <laughs> games away from, from their home arena, but you know, that's a tough ask. Not the toughest thing in the world. Other teams have had to do it. Right. Understandably not as long. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even if that's the case, they came back somewhat middle of the road off the thirteen game road trip. The right. COVID situation is where things started to go downhill. Yeah, um, Pollock and then, being hurt, and then Pollock being hurt, and then they just weren't able to get themselves back into into the shape that they needed to be, or, or not the players themselves, but they weren't able to right the ship right. with everything else that was going on. So, 
listen, I think I think everything is there for this team to be successful next season. They need to they need to patch those holes. The ship doesn't need to be completely re- renovated yet. Yet, if right. we're sitting here, you know, forty something games into the season next year, mm-hmm. and we're still having the same conversation, that's when I think the concern is really start where it starts to set in. I'm with you there, and and I think there there might be something that what Brock Nelson had to say in, in in his recent quotes too, where you know maybe a long off season isn't the worst thing in the world. Now that doesn't mean it's good that they missed the playoffs, that they right. shouldn't have made the playoffs or anything like that. Obviously, we would have liked to seen more you know more success this year, getting into the playoffs and going deep again. But to try to find some silver lining in this, this is going to be the most rest this team has had in a while. Yeah, two deep playoff runs. Three playoff runs altogether. You know, you got to the second round that first year under Barry Trotz. So maybe they can lick some wounds here. Just also mentally kind of just get away from the game a little bit here and and, and really refresh and, and come back, you know, healthy and clear. And, and yeah. you also have the comparisons made to the Tampa Bay Lightning, how it took them a couple of years. And they <laughs> had right. a year where they missed the playoffs. Everybody likes to do the comparisons. I mean, not that the roadmap is the same for all franchises and for all teams, but, you know, but you can look at it that way and say, hey, just because they missed the playoffs for one season doesn't mean that's it. You got to blow it all up. You know, I mean, I think that I, I agree with you 100%. I think that the pieces are still there. They get a couple of patches to the ship here and they can get right back where they were and and maybe really just starting off fresh, not only with a normalized schedule, but again, also with a longer off season. you know, maybe they just have better legs next year. And they, they can kind of fire themselves out of the cannon a lot better than they did last, you know, at the beginning of this season. So I, I think uh, I think we're going to see playoffs next year again for the Islanders as long as Lou makes the right the right moves. And that's that's really look, this is probably his biggest summer since his first summer with the franchise. You know, obviously relieving Doug Waite and Garth mm-hmm. Snow of their duties, yeah. bringing in Barry Trotz and, you know, really establishing this new era in Islander history, because it really is. It's 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 a, it's a big change under this regime, and I think this is going to be his most important summer since, where he's he's he has some very very clear holes that he has to address. And if he does, they're probably looking good. If he doesn't, then we might be looking at a season that looks very similar to this one. Yeah, it'll be it's it's a it's a off-season that's going to have a, a lot of ramifications for the organization going forward, and, and it's going to kind of set the direction for where the franchise is going to go, not just for next season, but for, you know, three, four seasons down the line. Yeah, for sure. So, folks, with this being the final show of the season for the New York Islanders, this is what's going to happen with Hockey Night in New York. We are going to get off our regular weekly shows We obviously will be covering the draft. We will be covering free agency. We'll do some preview shows for that, some post shows for that. Who knows? You might even find this up in Montreal for the draft. We'll see if that happens, but we're talking about it. We'll see. But we're obviously going to cover those important dates, and we're going to watch these playoffs here. And we might try to do some spot spotlight shows maybe on some alumni over the course of the summer before we really kick it back into gear for training camp in September. As you guys know, if you've been listening and watching for a while, we always come back in September once training camp comes around. So we're obviously still going to have a presence on social media. We'll be watching. We'll be around. 
But um, sad to say, due to the shortened Islander season, that's going to shorten our, our bit here a little bit. But a huge, huge thanks to all you guys who've been with us all year, watching the twitch.tv slash HockeyNotNY, embracing the, the video version of, of this show, uh, getting involved with the chat. Uh, we actually have a lot more exciting stuff coming up. Uh, heading into next year that we're working on this summer. We're going to be hard at work just to, to make the show bigger and better. So big, big, big thanks to you. And, of course, a huge thanks to all you guys that listen at your leisure, whether it's on your ride to work, whenever the case may be. You guys are still you know, our massive base here as far as our, our listenership and our viewership here with the show. So I uh, want to extend a huge thanks to you guys too. And, and look, like I said, we're always going to be around. You can drop us a line on social media, drop us an email, anything we can do to make this show better, to make sure, make your experience better, please let us know. But a huge, huge thanks. We really appreciate it. The support has been tremendous. Um, you know, it makes me very happy and proud to do the show, even if it's with Christian Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on a more serious note, uh, it's, it's been an absolute blast. And uh, looking forward to uh, doing a lot more. Yes, they, we can't thank you enough for, for being a part of this and, and having fun with us each week and putting up with our silliness and our goofiness <laughs> and, and, having, and, and just having a laugh um, because that's at the end of the day, it's what we're trying to do. We're having a, having a good time here talking some, some Isles hockey and, and just having some fun. Absolutely. That's what it's all about, folks, having fun. So with that, ladies and gentlemen going to wrap this up here going to send out a huge thanks to our pal andrew gross from newsday i mean an all-star in himself a hero of the season himself yes with all the fun and time that we've had with him this year so huge thanks to andrew gross and of course a big big thanks to our sponsors rj daniels american bar and grill located at 279a sunrise highway in rockville center the best place to catch the aisles when you can't make it to the game don't just go for the aisles they have live music comedy nights trivia a late night bar scene they have it all huge thanks to blue line deli and bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Of course, the new location in East Islip and Belmont at UBS Arena. They're an official partner of the New York Islanders and the greatest deli around. Check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com for their great selections and hockey-themed heroes. And of course, a big thanks to Thai Technology, a voice-over IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at TaiTechnology.com for all your telecom needs. Or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get three free months of service. Give them a call. And a huge, huge thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. You can order their great beers and merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York. And 36 states across the country get 15% off with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y. Again, thank you all so much. Really appreciate you guys hanging out with us with this, with this season. Tune in to twitch.tv slash hockey night. And why, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe at your favorite podcast provider. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Follow Christian on Twitter at C underscore Arnold 01. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For Christian Arnold, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. We'll see you soon.